This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for creating a blog, website, portfolio, or online store. To create your own space, visit squarespace.com and save 10% by using offer code TREK10. And also by Zoe, the world's first personal voice companion, enabling Star Trek combadge-like interactions with Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, smart objects, and much, much more. To find out more, visit zoe.me slash trekfm. That's x-o-w-i dot m-e slash trek.fm. Plus, if you'd like to support our programming personally, visit trek.fm slash donate to get our alien badges and art prints featuring original illustration by Tobo Ushi. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I am Daniel Pru sitting in the center seat for the third time so far in our podcast. And I am joined by my two illustrious hosts, uh, Philip Gilfus, the famous kindergarten teacher on Omicron Theta, who was able to keep his students drawing pictures of the creature that was killing them while it was killing them. How did you do that, Philip? Uh, well, well, thanks, Daniel. You know, I think you just, the kids have to be able to express what they're feeling. And, you know, it's kind of like some people will do uh, construction projects for the kids around Halloween or, or during the holidays, you know, and Christmas and around all those holidays, you know, doing like the whole uh, cutting out your finger hand for a Thanksgiving. But I just I just like them doing crystalline entity um, um, pictures on construction paper. You just need some silver glitter, some glue does itself, keeps them quiet for about 20 minutes. And then the rest of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and of course, I'm not going to tell Daniel how to raise kids because he is a child expert. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's a subject for another time. But we are also joined by uh, Darren Moser, who is our the ship's positronic net cleaner. How are you doing, Darren? I'm doing really good. I got a new shipment of Q-tips in just this morning, and the, you know, they're the the special still wool kind that you need to clean positronic brains. So uh, did you know that there are 27 individual access ports on data's head alone? It, some people wouldn't know that, but it, it's a tough job cleaning all those little spots and it's a chore, but you know, someone's got to do it and keep him at uh, peak performance. Oh, oh, do you get a torpedo for that? Because that is an episode title. It is, but it's not in a context of us <laughs> trying to determine what it is. It's Well, uh, you know, I, I give you a freebie. Why not? So as you, I don't know, uh, I'm sure our, our audience is keen enough to tell. Obviously, our subject this week is data. That's right. We are just jumping over Riker and going straight to data because, well, it's my decision and I wanted to do data to do data. So that's what we're going to do. I love data. I mean, data is my favorite character on TNG. He is the one that as a kid I would watch and I would be like, man, this guy is just the coolest. I don't know what it is. Actually, honestly, in all of the Trek, all of these kind of that, that archetype of character appeals to me. Like I'm a big Spock fan and, and all of these, those kinds of characters. But, but how do you guys feel about data? You know, I, I have to agree, Daniel. I mean, obviously, I think Data is a popular character with, with both fans and even non-fans of Next Generation. Um, I think what, what his appeal for me, as it may be for some others and many others, is he, I mean, he's this sort of lovable character that has this innocence about him. You know, he's sort of the, as you said, the archetype archetypal non-human character on the bridge of the enterprise and we'll i know we'll talk about you know how he is or is not spock like because we all know he could take Worf in a fight the other non-human trick character <laughs> on the bridge he could take everyone in a fight but but you know data was sort of the stand-in for you know what does it mean to be human he had that sort of childlike innocence which you either found endearing or you found incredibly annoying as Picard sometimes de- did, you know, stop babbling data. And uh, the, the sort of the lack of colloquial language knowledge for data as he would be like, caught with your pants down? <laughs> Bur- burning the midnight what? 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 What's snooping? What is? And so that would always be a good, uh, good laugh um, opportunity. And uh, so, I mean, you know, like I said, I, I, Data is obviously very enjoyable. We're going to have a, a good episode talking about him. And I know we will be talking about sort of uh, 
pre-emotion chip data and post-emotion chip data, but I know we'll get to that later. Of course, like I, I'm, you probably won't find a much bigger data fan than myself, but I, I'm with you. Like, there are parts of his character that can be slightly grating, that they like push a little too much. Like, oh, what is, you know, what what are pants? I'm like, wait a minute, you've been in Starfleet for 27 years and you don't know what these things are. Like, people must have mentioned these types of things to you before, data. But of course, we'll get into that. How about you, Darren? What do you? How do you feel about data? Oh no, I I agree definitely with both of you. He is i think my favorite character from next gen and just like spock and like other characters he's that conduit of us on the enterprise where we can i I think that was supposed to kind of be meant to be wesley where he's kind of our representation of absorbing this world but in a similar way data is representing us as a humanity on the bridge of the enterprise. And while he is in his eternal search to become more human, you know, he looks human. He was built by a human. He's surrounded by humans, but it's every time he gets close, it seems to slip through his Durastil alloy fingers as he tries to, you know, just claim a bit of what he believes himself to be. So it's, it's just such a layered character and it obviously became one of the fan favorites. And I think that's such an interesting aspect of Star Trek in general, how you will outline your primary cast and you just never know which character is just going to be almost the breakout character that you just, you just can't get rid of because you know, who would get rid of the fan favorite? Who possibly would get rid of a fan favorite like data? That would just be the worst person in the world who ever wrote that scenario (laughs) well obviously we'll get into that later but as we've already started a little bit discussing here star trek has ever since the original series obviously with spock we have this this type of character that is the outsider so you've got spock and you've got data and then i guess would be odo seven and i guess it would be to paul because she because Flox kind of fits in fine and he doesn't have any problems. So Star Trek has these outside characters that are obviously trying to fit in with our heroes, with the with humanity, with the group. But and and it has been suggested, possibly on other Trek FM shows before, that Data is merely a, like a Spock light, like a Spock Zero or something like that, which I actually find incredibly offensive because, um, first of all. Spock is already human, which people seem to forget about, which is... Yeah, he's half human. Yeah, which is absolutely absurd. Data, of all these characters, is the only one aspiring to be human. This this puts him in a very unique position of, of like, his that that's his goal. Like, he's not trying to avoid it, or he's not, like, slowly being brought in and subtly changing. He, he that's, his, that's what he wants. That's his, that's his end goal. That's what he wants to become as human. And I think that makes him... A very unique character. I think he's the only one that I can think of in Star Trek who is who wants to be human. No, you're you're right. If you count through all of those characters, Spock is trying to bury his human half. You know, there's Data. Then you have Odo, who is forced to look human, but he doesn't really fit in with the solids. Then you have Seven of Nine, who, again, he's she's kind of relearning her humanity, but it's very apparent she's never going to be the same as what she was before the Borg. And she is resisting. <laughs> well, that resistance is futile, Philip. And then you round out with T'Pol, who definitely, I mean, starts off not enjoying our smell. So that's a bad place to start a relationship right there. So you're right. He's the only one who is striving to be human. And that, I think, is what presents him as such a great character. I think to me, one of the most um, pivotal data scenes is the explicit data talking to Spock scene. I mean, it, it's it's one of those clips I can never find on YouTube because they have a part of the scene, but it's not the one that I like. The one I like is when data's like, can I ask you a question? You are, and I'm, I'm trying not to quite quote the whole thing, you are half human, correct? But you have decided to live a Vulcan way of life. So you have abandoned everything I've ever tried for. And then because Spock has said, you know, you have everything that a Vulcan would want to be, superior intellect, superior strength. You're the ultimate Vulcan, and yet you want to be human, and Data flips it on them. So they're almost 
admitting to each other that they're, they're contrast that, you know, data says, well, you're, you're banning everything that I've wanted to do. And Spock says that's, you know, I, he doesn't say fascinating, but whatever he says. And I think that's a pivotal character moment for both of those characters. Cause I think Spock says something and then, Oh, regrets, you know, do you have any regrets? And you know, or Spock says, I have no regrets. And data's like, well, that's a human saying. And Spock's like, Oh yes, I guess you caught me there. So, um, so that's very, to me, that shows, yes, data is completely different from Spock and Spock is completely different from data. And that also reminds me that's that scene, but in, interaction between Spock and, and data reminds me of the interaction between data and Q in the episode Q where Data says to Q, you have achieved in disgrace what I have always hoped to become. And, and I, I, did, I mean, that moment just always sticks with me. And, and I think they're very similar moments where Data, Data sees these characters who, who see humanity as a burden. He doesn't under, he, it makes no sense to him because that is his, that's, that's his dream. So I just, I, I love both of those moments. I think those are both wonderful moments. It's interesting, though, because it did that dream come from Dr. Soon or did it come from Data? Because it's obvious he's programmed to exceed the bounds of his programming, but that could happen in a multitude of ways. To What is it that makes him choose to exceed those bounds equates to becoming more human? Yeah, I, I think, um, and I, I know we'll talk about um, his quote-unquote dad here um, later in the episode, but I think you can almost hear a note of disappointment when Dr. Soon is talking to Data, like, Data, you could have been anything. And Data's like, well, humans rescued me. And so I figured, I mean, in so many words, Data says, so I figured I should emulate humans. And Dr. Soon's like, oh, really? I mean, I really could have thought you could have done something better. Man, I wish someone cool yeah, yeah. found you. even found by Klingon. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously he was like designed to look human and to be human to a certain extent. But I think Data, you know, for better or for worse, when he was rescued by humans and Starfleet humans specifically, he felt sort of that need to you know show his gratitude by being these people who rescued me i want to be like them can you imagine if he was found by klingons and he's in you know their family group photo you know data in the corner of a klingon group family photo it's like who's that oh that's my uh brother data yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know he'd have some cool klingon name that would mean like white warrior or something he would be the albino right before the albino was the albino in deep space nine durastill head data did do that forehead bump with that one klingon in that that episode in 10-4 all right well well, okay so this brings up interesting point we've already talked about cueless and about unification but data has oh my goodness probably the probably the the highest number of cool moments of great moments in star trek obviously maybe behind epicard and tng but he's got great one-liners he's got great action bits he's got great drama he's got everything so i'm actually so we're going to talk a little bit about our favorite parts of data our favorite moments our favorite episodes and i'm actually going to start off because i don't want either of you to steal my moment captain's prerogative (laughs) (laughs) that's right um, and of course, it's the five, the, the beginning five minutes of the episode Brothers, Gosh, where we see Data, and this is this is how I know that Data could own anyone else in Star Trek. Period. I'm sorry, that's just that's how it is. And I mean, when he's he, he's on the bridge and he's like, you know, security access code three four seven two nine four five alpha seven three two nine four, you know, and it's like it's awesome, and he just like takes over the ship in less than five minutes and for 90 percent of the episode they're trying to get control back and it just shows how how incredible data is because he's he's a character like we've never known before he has capabilities that we that we we haven't seen before but that's that's my number one what do you guys think? well and just to to, to uh, piggyback on that daniel i think that episode shows us how much Data holds himself back. I mean, it reminds me of the movie First Contact, where the Borg Queen is like, you know, you could be so much more. Uh, Why do you just limit yourself to linguistic communication? You know, in a lot of ways, I think we see Data hold himself back, that he could be this super being, but because he's trying to be human and act human, he almost limits himself um, in a lot of ways. So I'll I'll, I'll go quickly do an episode. Ensigns of Command is one of my favorite Data episodes. This is one where he beams down to the planet where only he can, you know, breathe because of the or because of the radiation where he discovers the humans that are there. This is the great Shelliac episode. So 
well, we won't talk about that Picard moment, but the data moment I think is him because if you remember, this is the episode where it begins him. Um, I think losing at poker, or, or or I know what it is. He's a uh, he's playing violin, and he tells uh, Picard and and Beverly, uh, "You really shouldn't come to this concert because I kind of suck. Um, you should really come when the other violinist is here." And they're like, oh, "You really shouldn't be that honest for this data because it could, you know, it's bad." And a captain to be too honest, people will lose confidence, and so you know he has to go show these colonists that they should leave. And finally, he just ends up phasering, you know, their aqueduct or whatever it is, and and learns that you know sometimes act all the intellect in the world isn't enough. Sometimes you have to be an action oriented person, and he gets a kiss because honestly, Data always gets a kiss. He's he's sort of the uh, the 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 silent Riker of TNG. Um, all the all the ladies love Data. So. He is fully functional. <laughs> so, but I think that's, I mean, there's many, but that's just one, my, I'll throw one episode out there. Yeah, you know, those are both great examples of, of data. And if I had to, oh, it's, it's so hard to narrow it down to one, but I, I think to do one I haven't mentioned before on Earl Grey, I think in Redemption Part 2, uh, the beginning of Season 5, when data is in command of the Sutherland, and I mean, there's so many great parts in this episode with Data and Picard and, you know, the, the, the miniature scene when he's like, why have I not been given a ship? And Picard kind of picks his jaw off the floor and goes, uh, here, I think the Sutherland needs a captain. Like, oh, he knew that ship was sitting there with the captain slot open. It's what he does with that. And as he pretty much lends his particular style to being a captain, and even though he's been in the center chair on the D it's different when you're on your own ship because they're not all family. It's where they actually follow an Android. And uh, basically he, he just owns at being captain and it's such a great, great scene as he is just, he saves the day. Let's just put it that way. He saves the day with his data-ness. I, I, I just can't, Darren, you've opened up my can of worms with data and I'm going to go with it here. Okay. The positronic ceiling that exist in Starfleet. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I won't take the whole time here, but okay. So that scene that you're talking about with Picard, the way it goes is Picard's assigning everyone and Data's like, oh, um, so don't I get a command? And Picard's like, well, I really need you here on the bridge. I'm like, really? I thought, I thought you could really? you know, update me and how far we were away from the stellar phenomenon in, in, in milliseconds. Exactly. And so Data's that's, like, that's what you do. Data's like, oh, so it's because I'm an android? And then there's the awkward pause, and quickly Picard looks up his affirmative action program in Starfleet and, and picks up his pen. Oh, oh I, 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 there's, a, there's an opening here on the Sutherland. Um, don't sue me. But, but I think it's interesting because we picture <laughs> Picard, you know, having established the rights in, in a measure of a man and an offspring, which we'll, we'll probably talk about more. But even here, he doesn't think to assign his very qualified second officer to a command. And, I mean, Data, he is a good commander. He is a good captain. And, you know, to, to compare him with Spock, you know, Spock was always like, well, you know, I'm, I don't seek command. And I don't know if Data sought command, but he was ready for it. He was ready to be a first officer. He was, a, I think, in the first, and you saw him grow as a, as a commander. Because I think in the beginning, as a lieutenant commander, he, you know, he had issues. He need, things he needed to work out of, of how to command, how to deal with people. But I think as the seasons grew in third and fourth and fifth and sixth seasons, you saw him develop that this would be a great first officer for someone. He should have been a captain or a first officer and put on that red, that red uh, color uniform, which I know Daniel will talk about here in a second. But that's my biggest thing, that Data was the only person, was the only person on that cast that was never offered promotion. The only one. Worf got promoted. Wesley got, well, you know, promoted. Jordy got promoted twice. He threw promotions at Riker. Riker got offered commands. Picard got offered Crusher. Admiralty. Uh, you're, you're right. Dr. Crusher didn't get promoted, but she got offered Starfleet Medical. It's interesting. Um, I think maybe Picard's issue with Data is like Data's his favorite toy and he doesn't want to let him go. You know, it's like his it's like his baby. Like, this is my Lexus. Like, nobody else can touch it. It's just for me. It, it does what I want it to do. And I don't know. Hey, I, Picard, leave your Lexus in the Nexus and give Data Give Data a chance. (laughs) Wow, Picard owning Data? I don't know about you, but that almost sounds like slavery to me. (laughs) (laughs) Not so subtle wink. Slow mug sip. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so there are just a few other quick moments that I wanted to bring up to see if anything comes out of it. Uh, I, I am a huge fan of the episode The Most Toys. 
I think we see an inc- the the scene at the end when Data lies to Riker in the transporter room. Oh, it must have been a malfunction or whatever he says. Transporter sensor malfunction or whatever. When he is literally about to kill the guy. I don't remember his name. Bajo. Oh, man. I, you, I, I was going to say, I think that's torpedo worthy. Yeah. Uh, I remember when <laughs> uh, that actor was being uh, Saul uh, Rubinick. He was announced he was going to be on Warehouse 13 and all, every Star Trek fan in the world, you know, said, oh, you mean the guy from the most toys? Because that's the only thing we knew him from. But mm-hmm. anyway, it, which I think some people I mean, I get the feeling that people don't like that episode, but I remember I remember liking it. So I, I look forward to seeing that. Oh, again I love that episode. I oh, I love it. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I really do. And it, it, it just shows how he can he, he, he is programmed to do certain things like data. Don't don't kill anyone. Don't shoot at people. You know, and well, if you think about it, he's a lieutenant commander, but he had to rise through the ranks like any other officer. And he's kind of we see him in this stage of life where he's kind of in upper management. So he's making decisions and he's you know pushing buttons and, and, and managing things on the ship. But he, he was probably a lot more active as he was rising in rank, you know, leading away teams and gathering data. And I mean, it's pronounced himself data as ha huh, data. Sorry. Gathering data from data. <laughs> and just rising through the ranks. So that would have been an interesting almost spin-off or, or novel form. I would love to see, you know, data through the ranks. Yeah, I mean to me that's the the thing that is sort of almost missing because we see data like always asking questions in these early seasons like how do you do this how do you do that i'm like how did you get here you know i mean to to an extent it's funny and it's revealing but to a certain extent like if you've been in starfleet for 20 some years have you ever dealt with people before i think that sort of took it away but it would have been interesting like does he have any friends has he not like made friends with any shipmates throughout his starfleet career it's like geordie's like this first friend he doesn't ever get anyone like sending him a message like hey data how's it going remember when we used to pick on you in the academy and send you on snipe hunts you know <laughs> but but it would have been interesting to hear more about his background because we just sort of got his birth um quote unquote birth his time in the colony and then like boom straight to the enterprise i'm like but that's not his life remember when we programmed all the computers to only re- accept uh spoken word in contraction form <laughs> Oh, let's not let's let's just ignore the contraction issue because it's ridiculous and absurd. But there was one thing you mentioned him pushing buttons, and I'm sure I'm not the only person to have problems with this. But data should be completely Wi-Fi enabled. There should be no reason he should ever have to physically touch or speak to or in any way physically interact with the computer. He should just be able to think and. He should have a constant stream going on between him and the main computer, and he should be the fastest person on the ship. But this actually echoes real-life space technology. I mean, right now we have uh, Robonaut up in the International Space Station who is built like the upper torso of a human because it's easier to build a robot that actually interfaces with the same control surfaces, with the same tools, and with the same environment. So they need hands and arms and legs, so... In that sense, it makes perfect sense that he would be, if he's in human form, that he would interface with something like a human. So you wouldn't have to have Data's special corner with his special interface, you know. Right. Well, no, that's fine. I'm okay with him generally having arms and, and hands and, and using them. But what I'm saying, like, okay, we're, we're down to the wire. The asteroid's about to hit the Enterprise. And Data can type in six commands a second or he can think six million commands a second why does he not do that it makes no sense at all they can like plug into his brain like they do in best of both worlds and stuff like that or in uh fistful of datas because that worked out great (laughs) well that's what i'm saying like you don't you you don't have to plug him physically in but he shouldn't have to touch buttons that makes no sense for a computer to do well you know there's a lot of subspace interference daniel which i know you're all very aware of how subspace works and it's just it causes problems and uh, i'll explain later okay okay he only gets one bar you know around there and it's called 10 forward well while we're before we leave excellent data moments slash episodes uh, we we have to bring up and we'll get a little into it a little bit later deeper but um we have to bring up some movie moments right data does have some halfway decent movie moments we all love the life forms song in generations or am i the only one i i absolutely love it oh i love that song or mr tricorder 
Oh, no, I, I could do without Mr. Tricorder, but the Lifeform song is great. Well, I think every movie is a day to growth because, I mean, obviously he's a fan favorite. Every, I mean, let's, let's just admit it. Every Star Trek Next Generation movie is a Picard Data movie. I mean, that's, you know, and, <laughs> and the others and company. true. Yeah, Picard yeah. Data and company. That's, that's all the movies. So, I mean, it, and I, I, I'm not going to take They practically wrote, you know, in Generations when Picard's in the Nexus. It, it, the original script probably has Data with him. And he's <laughs> like, Data, what do you think about this? Because really, when is he not asking Data his opinion? Yeah, they were on an excellent journey. And they would somehow force Data into the Nexus, even though there's no possible way he should have been there. And uh, whatever. That's fine. But, but I, I, I'll just do the quick run through and y'all can agree disagree so generations data gets emotion then it's just him being emotional the whole, whole time first contact data gets tempted by physical flesh it's a lot of sort of sexuality with the board queen that's that episode insurrection data's childhood data learns all the stuff he missed being a child he gets he has a friendship with that child on, on, on in insurrection nemesis <laughs> we'll get to um, it. it's we'll about get to it. <laughs> it's that it's that so, but, 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 but you know, but certainly he has a focus, and 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 again, I know I mentioned it more than once, but I'll mention it one more time. There's a great, great, great scene that was cut from Nemesis, where I talked about in the Picard episode, but I'm talk, talk about it from the data standpoint of where he's talking about you know moving on in Nemesis. Um, what's it mean? What are, what do these confluence of emotion means? What's his future? You know, and Picard says, "Well, you'll go on a command one of these days." But, <laughs> and so I think it's sort of interesting about Data ask about, well, what's in a way he's asking, "What's where's my life going? Everyone else's life's going on, but of course, the positronic ceiling." He's having his mid uh, positronic. Uh, yeah, the positronic ceiling. Once again, he hits his head there. He's not going anywhere, Data. You're not going anywhere. But anyway, can we? You know, and I know this is kind of going back to what we just talked about before, but it, I just popped in my mind about the positronic ceiling. Philip is best of both worlds when he passes over second in command for Worf from data for war. And it's like, he's like, no data. I need you. I, you were a strong contender, of course, but, but I need you right where you are, where you've been for the last 27 years. Like, it's like, are you kidding me? Like, I, like, are you kidding me? This is so ridiculous. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I like Worf. He's a good character. He's fun, but I, he, tactical is where that man belongs. He certainly doesn't belong anywhere else. I, I, that's where you should be. I would take some sort of crazy series to put Worf in red. <laughs> <laughs> and remember what happened. He 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 was told, well, now you're never, ever going to be a captain. So I'm just saying. Well, you know, it's interesting, Danny. We were, we were talking about this in a Transporter Room 3 earlier. For as much as everyone does hate or should hate Captain Jellicoe, Captain Jellicoe fixed the Enterprise D. Look, he put Troy in a uniform, finally, and she looked fine in a uniform. He made Data his second in Which, command. Yeah, I forgot about that. That Daniel was tell, reminding me. He put Data in red. I think the only other time we see Data in red is, uh, I think, in one of the parallel jumps in Parallels. Yeah. I think it's Future Imperfect, maybe. With that funky com badge. Is Data in red kind of like the song Lady in red? <laughs> Data in red. <laughs> You're singing to me. <laughs> okay, so anyways, moving on from that. Thanks for turning the ship around for that. Yeah, I just I had you said data in red and that's all I could think of. Okay, so of all of the characters in all of Star Trek, and correct me if I'm wrong, because obviously Wait, all the characters in all of Star Trek. Okay. Yes. I'm just getting the context this of, isn't just uh, of how substantial this is gonna be. To include the animated series. Yes, this is this is serious here. In all of the characters in all of the, and you guys will correct me if I'm wrong. Oh yes we will. Even though he technically has no family, we see more family members of Data than any other person in Star Trek. Is that true? Am I, am I, am I wrong about that? I think you are correct, unless you count the entire crew of Voyager as a family. No, that's that's ridiculous. That's for that's for to the journey. All right, it, yeah. Here's 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 the checklist. We see Data's, and these are all quotes around all these words. Right. We see Data's father. One. We see Data's mother. Two. We see Data's grandfather. Three. We technically in Enterprise see his great great grandfather, but we'll no, put that. No, aside no, we won't. Moment. We'll account it. We Four. won't. Okay. We see his older brother. We see his. <laughs> Younger brother, or no, his other, his, no, his older, older brother. I'm sorry, uh, I before right, anyway. right. No, it's uh, and then we see his daughter, seven, and his and his cat is the, oh, and Spot, who could be a family member. So seven family members of Data, uh, and and at least seventy percent of them are played by Brent Spiner. <laughs> did, he, did he not play Spot? I thought he did the voice. I'm pretty sure. Uh, 
I'm pretty sure he hated the cat. That's what I have heard. That he oh, when he right. goes to conventions, he he says that the cat was awful and he hated working with it and it was terrible. But did he did he call it a danged varmint? <laughs> oh jeez, I don't know. But uh, yeah, so that's interesting, right? I guess kind of. Like, why do we see so much of Data's family? Because we see so much of Brent Spiner. We, we you know, what part can that man not play? That's the right like part. I said. Like I think you know, if he could have played his mother, he would have played her. But they're like, well, we got to draw the line somewhere, Brent. <laughs> When you're playing three characters in the same episode, and they all look exactly the now same. Would, would you yeah. say his extended family could be the other characters from A Fistful of Datas, where he basically plays uh, the sheriff and... He does play a woman he in does. that episode. Yeah. So this, this is proof that he could play his own mother. Oh, it's 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 awful. I'm sorry. I, we got into this last week. I am not a fan of characters playing the same playing the lineage of the same character so fathers or sons or whatever it's it's absurd it's ridiculous and i understand brent probably got really bored and he's a great actor so he probably got really bored playing stiff robot data all the time and i uh, if only we could make data possessed every seven episodes uh, by an alien being so that he can play Oh, come on. You're really, you're just... He doesn't get possessed every seven episodes because it seems like it happens. <laughs> yeah, well, a great episode that none of us have mentioned yet is the one where uh, Troy, O'Brien, and Data are taken over by, you know, the little glowy aliens. And man, that is a great episode for Brent to really play a human, basically, a convict who's just, you know, bent and he's he's been stuck in this super strong body and it has the reflexes and and capabilities of data somehow that still works the same for flesh and blood and yes thank you data. thank but you thank you we'll look past <laughs> no 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 that, no, no, but, no we won't you know. we won't i just want to tell you why um a little cross promotion here on the trek fm network i was on recently um, on trek news and views with colin and some guests and we actually brought up this very episode and i got into a little a little disagreement with some of the other uh, panelists about how if you're if you're a being who can take control of a flesh and blood creature it makes no sense to think that you can also take control of a random set of circuitry and it's totally absurd and this happens way too much to data it happens in the first season in the naked Naked now now and it happens in this episode and it happens many other times where data should be immune to almost everything that happens Unless it's like an EMP pulse, and then he should be the only one affected. But he, he should be immune to almost everything that the people are susceptible to. But they just, they like to give Brent more acting work, I guess. I don't well, know. at least in the episode, you know, the game, they actually took him out mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. commission. I mean, that was a great, because it actually raised the stakes more. You're like, oh, oh, like this is one of those parts where Data would come and help, but we turned him off like oh this is this is dire it's up to wesley crusher to save the enterprise dun, dun, dun. and anson leffler and the only way he could save the enterprise was by turning data on just once again showing how awesome data is but i mean daniel what i think you're forgetting about i mean data has pores we have pores <laughs> if you prick him does he not leak oh <sighs> That does remind me of one one more moment that I that I should bring up, is the moment another cueless moment actually. That's a great data episode, even though it's a cue episode. The, it is. At the end when Q grants him. Have you realized yet? Every episode is a data. That's true. Episode. That's true. <laughs> data. Episode. At the end when Q grants him that laugh, and and that that is a moment where Brent Spiner they're like, okay, go nuts with it, and he does, and it works really well, and it's like. It's a really poignant moment. You really feel for him. You're like, you really feel happy for him in that moment. You're like, and everybody on the bridge is just smiling. And it's like, all right. Riker doing his usual smile. Yeah. He's probably got his leg up on Data's face or something. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, to me, it's almost a next generation trope, but I like it. And so I don't care that the alien visits who is out of their element. And this can be Q, could be Jerrock, could be Scotty. Could be whoever it was. Somehow they either make it to ten forward, and or data in ten forward. <laughs> you know, it's always data. Like I don't know why he's not the counselor of the ship. Um, because they all these characters always make it to data, and then probably most of the time data finds a way to make him to the holodeck. Because data is crazy about the holodeck. I don't know if you've noticed. Data like solves their problem. 
and so it's it's every episode, especially the Q one, which I think one of my favorite lines from Data in, in that Qless episode is, you know, where, where he just repeats Q's line of like, "It's important to work with Picard's little trained minions." <laughs> well, and there's also you know that again with back to him being taken over you have like the episode conundrum where everyone's minds are erased you'd think the aliens would you know come up and be like okay uh let's see okay we've we've activated the beam and oh dang it they have an android oh okay let's go find another ship because it's like oh no that's okay just hit the android button because apparently that that works i mean and and i bet you data makes a good mixed strength I mean, he seems like he knows what he's doing behind that bar. I don't know, because as as you know, just recently, Philip, there's there's in relics. He clearly has no idea of what green liquid he is holding. He's like, well, it's it's green. But he really tries. This is terrible. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Generations. Yeah. All right. So we've been putting it off. It's the data sized elephant in the room. We have to talk about it. Oh, are we? Is, are we going to talk about the fact that Data invented the spacewalk that was later stolen by J.J. Abrams? <laughs> no, no. Do you have any other guesses? Any other guess with it? It's pretty sad, you know. When when Data died, wait, what? Back in San Francisco, it was, you know, I, I just it was really sad because he didn't really get to meet Mark Twain like he wanted to, and. Yeah, you know, it was really gutsy killing such a main character in the middle of that the was show. Data, but that episode, yeah. Oh, oh, is that oh, is that not what we're talking about? No, nope. That we're getting there though. We're we're pushing towards the right direction. Yes, of course, we're talking about Nemesis, which I know is Philip's favorite film, not just Star Trek film, but film of all time. It is his Citizen Kane, you know. Uh, but um, yes, of course, I I I don't know that I've ever met a Star Trek fan who has said. Nemesis did any of the characters justice, really, but but certainly Data. Um, It's not like Spock's death. Even though Spock's death, well, no, I guess it's not, but even though Spock's death can be considered cheap because they did provide the way out as well, it was meaningful. You you didn't know what was going to happen. They, They didn't literally hand you an extra Spock before he died. And say, oh, here you if, go. You know, just, just break seal to bring back Spock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, and it's like, oh man, like, I would be, I would be devastated if they did that right. I really would. If if they if a Nemesis, if they pulled off a Spock level death scene in the right way, respectfully, and and but they did it right, I would. It would. It would. It would hurt my Star Trek heart, but I would appreciate it for what it was. And I and. The thing is that it's so cheap and it's so lame and it's just so unnecessary in that scene for that to happen. Why? Why kill off your main character? You're doing it for shock value at this point, especially when we have ooh B4. Like, I don't know. Does it irritate you guys as much as it irritates me? Yeah, it's – I mean it makes me wonder – was this similar to when Captain Kirk was killed in Generations? And I know there, I know many TOS fans who felt, oh, like, or even when he pseudo died on the Enterprise B, it's like he could have been sitting on the bridge and he's like, no, I should actually go do that. And then puts himself in harm way and then dies. Like you always picture him going down on the bridge of his ship, like guns, of, you know, phasers are blazing and so in the same way with data i picture him you know if i had to picture a death for data doing something similar like maybe being in some really advanced room doing something only data could do moving at data speeds doing computations to protect uh, you know a vast amount of people and and realizing that if he steps out you know people are going to die like something like that not you know the needs of one man are greater than the needs of another man. And, and it's exactly like you said, Daniel, I'm okay with a death of data, but the way it was presented and written wasn't enough. Yeah. I, you know, and again, I have to get past nemesis, but I mean, but data's death, it, it reminds me in some ways of, you know, this is how I feel about there's, I mean, there's a good parts of nemesis. And when we do a nemesis episode, I will actually admit that there are good parts in, in, in detail. I mean, well, Data sings. I, I, 
in season 23 of Arrow Gray when we finally get around <laughs> exactly. to a Nemesis episode. But like, I, and, and I won't go off on the tangent, but Data sings, and <laughs> he sings in half the movies, and, and I, I love Data singing because Brent Spiner is singing. But anyway, so that's a good part, but Data's death. I mean, it reminds me of Enterprise, These Are the Voyages, and I think how Enterprise fans feel about that episode is how I feel about Nemesis. You know, they kill off in Enterprise, Tucker, and, and people are like, why? 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 And to me, that's data there's I no mean, reason to and again I, I i don't begrudge the writers of trying to do something and i actually saw an interview that brent spiner was actually pretty instrumental in writing this if not data's death i mean a lot of it, he's like i don't know why fans don't get it data dies in a sacrificial thing of glory i'm like because no. it's bad again it's not needed and i'm not going to repeat what you just said but i agree totally with what you just said and Again, like data shooting a phaser versus doing something more data e. I mean, imagine just to, to jump in for a second, Philip. Imagine if instead of just having to fire a phaser to stop that, he had to convince the Praetor to give him some sort of access code. Imagine the humanity that would be revealed in him making the choice of, I can force this man to give me this code, but. But at what cost and what is my struggle for humanity instead of, oh, he's realizing humanity by making a sacrifice. Well, that's part of humanity. But I think that would have really revealed many more layers of the character if it had been something more like that. Plus, the thing is, I mean, he's he's facing off against Picard, essentially. And I mean, Picard has been his number one instrument and in learning humanity. What if he was in some way to to use what he was taught from Picard in order to do that, in order to convince him, hey, step down or give me this access code or or whatever? Like, how much more meaningful would that have been? Like, if he had if he had to use those lessons, honor to the mentor, right? And and I don't know. Honestly, anything would have been better. Really. I mean, like, he jumps from ship to ship. If he had just ran into some random piece of debris and exploded, I would have been more satisfied, I think, with that than what we, what we got, unfortunately. <laughs> it would have been the smuggle R2-D2 that was uh, accidentally placed in the debris field by the special effects artist. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they were, like, maybe they were, they must have. I mean, when they, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but when they were writing Nemesis and shooting it or whatever, they must have known the end was coming because... Obviously, we have this whole data thing, even though they set up B4, which is totally unnecessary and doesn't seem in any way a good idea. But It cheapens the death. It's so much. And they send Riker and Troy off, so they must have known the end was coming. So why bother? Yeah, I mean, if, if, you're, yeah, if you're doing this nemesis ending, which, I mean, I felt like people all knew it, what it was. At least that's how they advertised it. I don't know how it was during production. I mean, yeah, I, everyone's ending. So data's ending as he dies? I mean okay i mean i'm again i'm trying to keep my mind open to the fact that data could die in this movie like that that's fine if you include that even though i'm having a hard time doing that but i'll try to be an open mind that you can do that if you do it well but again yeah i know i'm just repeating what you just said but before unnecessary and doesn't make sense and then if you're going to star trek two three it as we say on the business, you know, you didn't, we're, you're just going to leave B4 hanging out there. Oh yeah, that's probably data. Oh, well last movie. never mind. I mean, I know they've done stuff in novels and comics or whatever, but I, I just don't see how you end this movie on a happy note. Like, ah, data died. Sip your wine. Oh, well, haha, under new adventures. I'm like, it's just a poor ending for everybody. Nothing was resolved. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't just cheapen it. It completely removes all emotional context from it because it's very specifically stated, oh, I have all of his memories. I have all of his, you know, experience. And, and, and it's like, well, why bother doing this in the first place? It doesn't really make any sense at all. Like, I don't know. I have, it really upsets me. I'm getting, I'm getting really irritated right now. Like, just... Go back to the good times. Go back to the good times. You know, I know. We'll never see these. This is the last moments we see these characters. The characters that obviously mean a great deal to the three of us. You know, the TNG characters. And this isn't the Nemesis podcast. But but Data is obviously instrumental from Encounter and Farpoint all the way up to Nemesis. And he is supposed to be the catalyst for the end of of TNG. And, and it's so upsetting to see. We never got our Star Trek six. 
You know, we didn't get the good send off. We got we, we Star got Trek shafted. Five. Yeah, we, we. I don't know if it's that bad, but it's it, it might be close, I guess. But I'm yeah, converting them, Darren. I'm getting them on my <laughs> side. I mean, how would you, how would you have guys fixed Data's death? Would I mean would are, are you guys obviously we just talked about it. We all said we would have been okay with the Data's death, but do you think it would have been necessary to close the loop to to end the that journey, or or can we get well if everyone was leaving the Enterprise? What if you take it? to its logical conclusion and Picard retires and passes the mantle and data. I mean, yes, they had him being groomed as a first officer, which we know he's already amazing at, but what if they took it a step further and, you know, okay. So, so Worf's, you know, off on deep space nine doing his thing, uh, you know, uh, Troy and Riker are off on the Titan and Picard finally accepts a desk job as an admiral or, or something like that. And as, and that's and everyone's kind of surprised because no one realized that that's the surprise. That's that Picard is stepping down, which that's has some weight to it. But in his place, he is, you know, Starfleet has agreed to give Data the captain seat of the Enterprise E, and a whole and a whole and a whole new set of adventures await for. I mean, because remember, he he's basically as old, quote unquote, for his lifespan as he was in Encounter at Farpoint. He can go on to another, and and again, you know, we include Philip's deleted scene of awesomeness, and and then you know you end the sh- the shot with they're rebuilding. <laughs> you could have some witty banner of of data saying, "Well, thanks for giving me the ship, Captain." Even though you, it's not in as good condition as I was expecting, uh, but you know they're fixing it up at that starbase, and and then data is kind of sitting in the chair for the first time, getting a feel for it, and cut. You know, I, imagine something like that. Or or even if, because, and I don't know how y'all feel about it. I hate the, I'm glad it's deleted. I hate the deleted scene with the new first officer. I mean, I, I for one thing, the seatbelt thing, it's just, to me, it's not funny. It's oh, stupid. I like it. I, I like that scene. But like, I don't like the, I mean, I like the actor, but I don't like him as a new first officer. Um, A, why is it going to be another white male human? But anyway. But, it should be Romulan. Yeah. But anyway, but I mean, it would have been super cool uh, if Data had then been the first officer. And be, I mean, and, and I don't know how many Babylon 5 fans we have out there, but it reminds me, and, and to, I'll use Deep Space Nine as a Star Trek example. Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine ended with your command team. Like you saw, you know, Kira, Colonel Kira was now in charge. You had Nog, you had the new Dax. You sort of had your new Deep Space Nine command team at the end of that episode or end of the series. And like, to me, there's no new command team for the Enterprise E at the end of Nemesis. Like if you, it's just Picard. That's the only one who's left. And then I see what you're saying, like the second wave. And and that's what I mean. Like, why not put data in command and say, at least someone from our, our family is still going to be on the Enterprise. And really it only, it only can be data because he's the only one who's not at the end of his career slash lifespan. Well, well, Picard took that Kirk advice to, to stead and never retire, never give up the bridge of that ship. So, so even if data's first officer, I would have enjoyed it because he, he wouldn't let Picard go on away missions either. So, well, well, I thought weren't they, they were grooming him to be first officer in nemesis. Cause it, they announce it, it, it. I don't think it was a deleted scene, or am I just remembering it all incorrectly? I thought, in when they're speaking, they are mentioning that he is going to, as 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 Picard's giving his send off to Riker at the wedding, he mentions to Data like I'm getting used to to training a new first officer, and and or is this all a deleted scene? But I I didn't think it was. Daniel, I, I I haven't seen Nemesis. You're in the while. Nemesis expert. I haven't seen Nemesis in a while. I actively stick my nose. But the happens. only problem, I, I really, I kind of like your scenario that you've come up with there, Darren. But the only problem is, Riker would never give up command of the Enterprise for the Titan. If if Picard was retiring, Riker would have taken the Enterprise. Maybe Data could have then taken the Titan, but I'm just that would have been my. My issue is that Riker's next in line. Riker should have had the Enterprise. Well, what if Troy didn't want him to, and then he's got no choice? <laughs> well, as Philip knows, both Riker and Troy have a very healthy, normal relationship, so he, they would have talked it out, and it would have been just <laughs> Those fun. kids are going to be so screwed up. Hey, we know who wears the scant in that family. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I don't know. I guess I guess that's it. I mean, there's we, we could talk about data all night, honestly. Uh, as as probably besides Picard, behind Picard, the most featured a- a character on TNG. Well, I'm sure we'll come back to him many times. 
you know, we didn't t- we didn't touch mm-hmm. on his relationship with with Riker himself or with Jordy, Jordy which is kind of important. You know, there's lots of things we didn't touch on. There's episode we didn't really talk about Measure of a Man, which I guess is more of a Riker Picard episode, but but fairly data heavy as well. There's lots of things that we didn't get to talk about about data, so. We'll come back to it at some other point, but I just wanted to get some closing thoughts on you guys. Uh, happy thoughts. <laughs> happy thoughts, right. This isn't going to be the nemesis ending of the podcast. This is going to be the TNG, Earl Grey, Star Trek Star 6. Trek 11. All good things. <laughs> yes. Yes, this is... The, oh, we didn't even talk about all good things. Yes, you're right, you're right. This is going to be the all good things. Data is a professor with a cool, awesome rogue... Rogue the Earl X- Grey, the podcast where you mentioned all the things we didn't talk about. <laughs> previously on Earl Grey. <laughs> we did not talk about, not previously on Earl Grey. Not previously on Earl Grey. We actually talked about data for a while. Um, no, but, uh, you know, we, we didn't talk about all good things, but this is going to be the all good things ending right now. We're going to say what we like about data. So, Darren, closing thoughts on data. Go ahead. Well, I think that data, not just being my favorite character, I felt is the character I could relate to the most and to, to speak on it slightly, his relationship with Jordy, I think was such a great example of a friendship because they were, they were work colleagues, but you could tell that it kind of went to that, that next level of friendship where they really cared about each other and they cared when they were in dangerous situations. And as data's working on his emotion chip and he starts to freak out, I mean, Jordy's really concerned. And when Jordy is, abducted you know data's in shambles and it that relationship it was just such a great example of friendship i think one of the best examples of friendship in tng and it really could only come from our favorite android and how about you philip yeah i think data and and again we we kind of the three of us come from a certain perspective of how old we were when we watched the show so uh, you know being a uh somewhat older gentleman now i i think i still view it the same way but i think data has this unique thing if you're a kid he's super smart so you would learn a lot just from watching data he uses all these big words and all these concepts like man i want to know what that means and look it up but he's also going through these experiences these first time experiences that you might be going through so in theory how do you date a girl and know what to do and of course if you want to like ask every person you know what you should do and then go for it and all that stuff but all these first time experiences and you know humor trying to be funny trying to age with your crewmates how to be a better person or, or human all that data is going through is is probably a great role model for young young younger than me um people about how how to figure out life and i think data is is just that wonderful character He's, and he has that innocence, but at the same time, he could throw it down. You know, when we talked about with when he smacked down Worf, when he was, uh, Worf was his first officer, you know, and when, when Data was a captain, he knows how to smack it down when he needs to, lay down the law, but, he, but, but his default position is to be trusting and to be open, and, and he's just a great, wonderful character in all of Star Trek. Yeah, and I, I mean, I agree with both of you guys. I mean, this word hasn't been uttered yet, but he is the badassest of all the characters in Star Trek. I mean... If Data goes toe-to-toe in any capacity, well, not any capacity, but physically or uh, intellectually with any character on Star Trek, Data comes out on top. He is the man. That's why we only have one of them. And, well, I guess we have whatever. We talked about that already, but you know what I mean. You you can't have too many Datas running around. Um, Maybe like a fistful? <laughs> perhaps a fistful of Datas, yeah. But, he, you know... And and that's that that's what really attracted to me to him at first when I first started watching TNG was like wow this character is like really really advanced and like he 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 operates on a whole different plane than we do he he sees things in a totally different way he he is capable of things that we could only dream of and uh, but and yet he still wants to be human he he still desires those qualities the good qualities of humanity. He, he he wants to express himself artistically through his poetry about his cat. You know what I mean? Or, you know, or, or maybe feel something through through a performance of Shakespeare on the holodeck. And and it's really interesting that that some somebody so far advanced to us, so so far beyond our scope and what we understand, would desire what we just innately have. And and to me that that's a fundamentally interesting concept, and it never gets old to me so i love data you guys love data we all love data here at Earl Grey. but 
data is not the only thing that we've talked about on Trek FM this week. So here's a look at what you might have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, the orb. Looking for Parmok in all the wrong places. Well, and you also get the feeling here that she's only, I mean, Worf really is only being rejected because she's not interested. It has nothing to do with whether or not Worf is Klingon enough or any of that. She's just not interested. She's interested in Quark. Earl Grey. The holodeck. Alexander Rojinko was conceived on the holodeck. That's exactly right. In Worf's calisthenics program with Skeletor watching because he was just frozen there and he couldn't look away. The ready room. The man trap. Well, it wasn't what Roddenberry wanted to do with it. It was what uh, the, the writer, George Clayton Johnson, wanted to do with it. But it was basically making the character more sympathetic. To the journey! The Doctor. But I love that moment when Chakotay, like, uh, was projecting himself into the room. And, like, he, he totally, like, kneels down and gets super serious and calm like Chakotay does. He's like, he's like, what you've shown us is it's not what you're made of. What, what you do or how you feel, you know? Like, you just start to get, like, <laughs> and like even in like season two, they start to realize the Doctor is not just a hologram; he is becoming something more. Commentary: Trek stars. Caprica. Prequels are sort of uh, a constant trap that people end up going to. You know, the, this thing was successful uh, and it ended. Well, let's go before it ended and tell a different story. Warp five. Klingons on Enterprise. Having. The Klingons at the very beginning of the series running through that field. Do you think that was born out of the discomfort that the studio had in the idea of the prequel series to begin with? Trek news and views. The Naked Time. Bold shirts are easily ripped and disposable. Yeah. Blue shirts self-replicate so that they, you know, show no damage. And red shirts whisk away sweat. Yeah, yeah. they're highly absorbent. There you go. So that you can't tell that your security awesome. guards are nervous. Literary treks. David R. George III, Revelation and Dust. And it feels like an evolution for Starfleet as well in the way that they built a star base. Well, I'm glad that came across because that was sort of one of the things that I was going for. You wanted to be an evolution in Starfleet's construction of star bases. Mm-hmm. It should be something brand new. And because it's an important station, because it's in an important location, it... it really needed to be, I thought, uh, a grand station. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So you can check out Earl Grey and all of these shows anywhere on the internet, literally. Just anywhere. That's that's actually not true. But you can find them on think places like iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zoom, anything. Or you can go right to the website, stream or download the files directly from there. Just go to Trek.fm slash PD for the podcast directory to get all the links. So if anybody here that's listening wants to contact us or share their thoughts on what we've been talking about, they can go to trekfm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to Earl Grey, and it will come directly to us by email. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of the page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone and talk to us and the other listeners in our forums at trekfm slash forums. And in social media, of course, you'll find us on Facebook and Twitter under the username trekfm. So what if they wanted to find us each individually, Darren? How would they get a hold of you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. Or on my website, which is DrSciFi.com, where I host the Dr. Sci-Fi Show, a weekly view into sci-fi, ranting about the genre, space exploration, and all things like that. And how about you, Philip? Where would they find you? Uh, They can find me on Twitter at user handle NC public servant in Sea Lake, North Carolina, where I wildly use my emotions and contractions to talk about science fiction, Doctor Who, Star Trek, politics, and government. Great. And if they wanted to get a hold of me, um, obviously here on Earl Grey, clearly where you're listening, uh, or on Twitter at username 1updan, that is the number one, not the word, where I am also often tweeting about nerdy things and Star Trek related things as well. Don't forget to support our sponsors for this show. First, there's Squarespace, the web's best hosting and CMS that makes it simple for you to create a beautiful blog, website, portfolio, or with the incredible commerce feature, an online store. Create your own space today. Go to squarespace.com for your free 14-day trial and then use offer code TREK10 to save 10%. And also Zoe, the world's first personal voice companion. You can find out more about this Star Trek Combadge-like device and support their Kickstarter campaign by visiting Zoe. 
x-o-w-i.me slash trekfm. That's x-o-w-i.me slash trekfm. Remember to include the trekfm portion of the URL when you visit so Zoe knows that you heard about it here on trekfm. Please help us to continue to bring Earl Grey to you each week by getting your alien badges and art prints featuring original illustration by Tobo Ushi. You'll find them at trekfm slash donate and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. All right, guys. Well, my neural pathways are becoming a little too accustomed to your sensory inputs, if you know what I'm saying. So I'm going to get going. Oh, we're, we're your friend too, Daniel. Aw, thank you. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we will catch you all next week on Earl Grey. Engage. Make it so. Live long and prosper. Fire. Fire.